For those of you who have lost money, like millions overnight. For those of you who are or have been in personal debt. For those of you who have been at rock bottom, ready to give up. Get ready because it's gonna get a whole lot worse. And that's a great thing. This is Below Zero to Hero, a brain dump by The Fail Coach, helping entrepreneurs develop a healthy relationship with failure. Look, failure can't be feared. It's the number one killer of creativity, ideas, dreams, and even entrepreneurs themselves. And it's thought will never get in your way again. With the right mindset, failure can be step one into a new journey of being a better leader, having better balance, better relationships, and most importantly, success. So bring it on. This is Below Zero to Hero with The Fail Coach. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Brain Numb by The Fail Coach. Today, we have lovely uh, Samantha here with us. Um, and uh, without any further ado, let's jump into the interview. Welcome, Samantha, uh, to the show. Hi. Thank yeah, you. Thank please, you for welcoming me here. <laughs> uh, and just please quickly introduce yourself, please, to the audience. Sure. So I'm Samantha Justine, and I'm a course launch strategist. So basically, I've been working online since 2008, and I've worked as a virtual assistant um, before until I started my own business, um, working with other clients, and also um, working on my own, launching my own online course. And eventually, when people realized what I was doing for my own um, online course launch, they wanted my help as well. So now um, I'm helping my clients um, have their first online course launched without any email list, um, ads, or making complex funnels. So yeah, that's what I do. Okay. I mean, that sounds interesting. <laughs> I, I hear a lot on the internet, you know, you can start your business without this, without that, without this. And so I'm eager to hear how you can back up those claims uh, mm -hmm. that somebody can start without uh, much of the thing. So, um, mm -hmm. so if, if I understand correctly, um, this podcast episode will be for people out there who are probably an expert in, in something and they mm -hmm. want to monetize the, their expertise, their knowledge by creating an online program, online course. And mm -hmm. what you will help them discover today is how they can do that so that they launch profitably. Am I right? Yes, absolutely. Um, and I'm glad that you mentioned uh, uh, when you said that there are people out there who, gurus who say like, you can do this without doing certain things, right? So that's exactly what I wanted to teach just because um, it's most online course gurus or most online course uh, teachers out there, they teach you that you need an email list, you need to create a funnel, you need to create a webinar and all that stuff in order to make money. But I think that there's still a misconception behind that and I'll be sharing with you that today. So yeah, so this is for people who have like an expertise or like um, they're, they're ready to share their own knowledge or um, talent out there to the world and um, you can turn that into a profitable course. Okay, okay. So let's say, um, Let's do it this way. So let, let's, mm -hmm. uh, uh, let's imagine that I'm an expert and I don't have much of an online presence. I don't have mm -hmm. an email list. Um, and I feel that there's something deep down inside me that I would love to share uh, with the world. How would mm -hmm. you guide me? Let's say I come to you um, as a strategist. How yeah. would you guide me on that journey? And how long would you assume it would normally take from going from having completely nothing to mm. launching my first course and getting a few signups? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so usually um, this process um, takes about 90 days or like three months um, or basically 12 weeks to have your um, online course launched. And that already involves like even building your um, positioning and your branding so that people 
can recognize you as an authority and an expert in your industry. So um, yeah, you can start um, creating your online course and have people buying from your program, even if you have um, nothing in or you don't have a following, right? Um, that's exactly what I'm currently doing for a client right now. Um, he has been in the industry as a, uh, as a freelance copywriter for some time. Um, but that's what he's doing. And now he's trying to launch a course on how others can become a successful freelancer as well. So of course, um, he has no following at all. Like nobody knows who he is. And there, um, that is why when creating an online course, I always follow the structure that, um, that uh, I have used myself um, in this industry. So um, I call this the CFM um, blueprint. Okay. okay, so the first part is your course construction. And in the course construction part, you also include the phase where you're um, networking with other people and doing your research and understanding um, what your target audience is looking for. So, um, and that involves doing your research, especially being part of like different Facebook groups that, you know, let's say you have a course topic, right? So let's take your example. Um, you're targeting um, people who want to get involved with entrepreneurship, right? So there are a lot of Facebook groups out there who are, um, who, who are also helping out other people who are starting out. Um, as entre entrepreneurs. So once you get um, involved and once you get uh, be part, become part of this group, one of the things that um, is involved with the course construction is what we call the ask campaign or ask method, where um, it's just a, a tiny little part of what I also learned from Ryan Levesque, um, where you ask them the questions that would help them um, would help you also understand what your target audience are looking for. And the other part of that is as you're asking these questions and you getting to understand what your target audience are looking for, you're also at the same time um, sort of indirectly marketing yourself um, that, hey, I'm preparing something for you guys, um, but I want to make sure that um, I'm able to create something that would cater to what you need, right? So um, during the course construction, um, the first part of it is making sure that um, you understand what your target audience really wants. And that is um, doing your research, um, getting involved in different Facebook groups, um, asking them the right questions. Um, and also besides asking the right questions, it's also sharing um, advice and tips um, little snippets of advice and tips that can help them um, in the direction or stir them in the direction where they actually would think, oh, okay, this guy knows what he's talking about, right? So if he knows what he's talking about, then I'd be, I'd be more curious what he's um, actually teaching, which also in turn gives you the opportunity, gives them the opportunity to check out your profile, your socials, and see what you actually have going on. So part of the course construction is not just um, creating and um, building your course, it's actually building your own positioning as well in the industry. So um, you need to have your socials prepared. You need to have um, your, um, let's say, um, group, your own Facebook group prepared as well. Um, and of course, you need to have your content prepared in order to um, reach out and market to these different groups. So um, once it happens, then once they see that you're um, an authority of your industry or your niche, then and they recognize that you know what you're talking about, then um, it is your chance to also invite them into your Facebook group. So even with me, when I started out, and this is why I was able to launch multiple courses and have my courses um, become successful um, and have it sold out each time is because uh, one, I networked with other Facebook groups and their group owners as well. Um, I made sure I collaborated with them. Um, I invited them on my group as well to do Facebook lives and I've done the same for them. 
And in time, people in the industry um, noticed that what I'm sharing with them is actually helping them um, get closer to their goal of, of becoming, um, of, in my case, I was helping them with um, getting started working online. So it could be the same for you. So if you share tips and strategies for them um, in these different social platforms and you collaborate with the people in different groups, then it would also give you the chance to um, build your following and, and the reason that I actually even prefer Facebook groups compared to emails is because at least with Facebook groups, you can have a conversation with, with your target audience and understand what they actually really want compared to um, having it in email. Email is nice, but at the same time, the conversation with emails is just one way. Um, it's just you talking to them and telling them what, what you have as opposed to like hearing your audience and understanding um, what they're looking for, what they really want, why they need this, and uh, what they're doing this for in the first place. So for me, I'm so huge on, on um, making a connection with my audience uh, or my followers because it's not just about you trying to sell something. It's also trying to make a difference in their lives and make an impact in their lives with what you're teaching. And the way to do that is actually create a connection with the people that you're trying to reach out to. And Facebook groups is the best platform for that. So instead of having, um, building an email list, I'm not saying that it's, you shouldn't have an email list. Actually, um, you still have need to have it, of course, but in order to make sure that you have a profitable course launch, um, if you build connections with these people, with the people who are following you or people who need your content, then yes, I, uh, I, I usually go the route of having it on Facebook group. Okay. Um, Samantha, is there like a good way and a bad way how to try to do that in Facebook groups? Um, I mean, I like your approach where you mm -hmm. get to know your audience and really just serve them what it is that mm -hmm. they need instead of, you know, figuring out what I want to do. Uh, because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, they are the ones who are paying to you. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, um, can you maybe even from your own past experience, mm -hmm. just, you know, give us a few examples that wouldn't get you banned out of the group because you are too pushy, mm -hmm. too salesy. Maybe, you know, some examples that, that, you know, that you were really using well uh, from your experience or mm -hmm. this client that you're working with right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so yes, there's absolutely like the right way and the wrong way to do it. Uh, thanks for mentioning that. Um, when I reach out to Facebook groups, I make sure that I also respect the group owner or the admin because, of course, they, it's their group, right? You shouldn't be hijacking their group and trying to take it over and, like, sharing your own stuff to everyone else. Um, you have to make sure that when you become part of a Facebook group that you also understand um, why the group owner created that group in the first place. Maybe they're also trying to sell something. So if you try to push your own products or your own thing to, to, to that group, of course, you might end up getting banned. And of course, um, when you're trying to network in a Facebook group, so that's exactly the only thing that you're doing. You're networking, you're connecting and building relationships. You're not supposed to sell anything. And um, a lot of people that I notice when they're trying to um, join Facebook groups, they're immediately like, hey, um, um, it's nice to be part of this group. Come join my group as well. Um, I can teach you this <laughs> and that, right? <laughs> so it, it's you're trying to not only hijack the group, you're disrespecting the group owner. And of course, you're coming, you're not going to get anyone to join your group because these people who are inside this particular group joined there because they have um, the group owner has created and built a connection with these people. Um, trying to hijack the group, it's not going to work because they don't know you. you. You haven't given any value to them. That's why it's important when you join someone else's group, um, which is what I'm trying to do with, with my client right now. We're having a coaching and consulting with him, is that 
I wanted to make sure that the group that he joins, um, he gets to talk to the administrator first or the group owner and just try to not network with them, you know, just build relationships with them first, like tell them, hey, um, I like what you're doing. Um, I'm glad to be part of your Facebook group. Um, I'm interested to know um, what your goals are for this group. Um, of course, try to make it sound natural, you know, don't try to send, this is another thing. A lot of people like send generic messages to everyone and it's, it's a no-no. Like when you create, when you reach to someone or, or whether it's a group, you have to understand that you're still talking to people. So you have to build relationships with the people that you're talking to. The admin or the group owner is still a person. So you have to like still understand or build that relationship and understand like, hey, how we can, how do you think we can work together where it would be benefit both um, the group owner, um, his Facebook group, and at the same time, you in return. Because in order for you, like, um, here's another thing. The reason people aren't getting um, a lot of sales is because the fact that they're trying to take, right? They, they're trying, it's, most of, most of it is self-serving. Like they try to promote themselves. They try to promote their own content. It's just about them. But instead of like trying to take from, from other people, um, you have to give first and in, or, in order for you to take. So sorry about the background noise. So yeah, you have to try to give first. Um, give um, build that relationship with the group owner you have build a relationship with the members inside those group and then that's the only time where you can actually um, ask something in return which is like hey and again it shouldn't be um mandatory it should just be um like hey if you think you find value in whatever i'm sharing with you guys and of course, you can join my Facebook group, then that's the only time you start promoting. But you shouldn't ask at the front um, without having given anything first. So, yeah. Well, uh, you, you, you could say it. Yeah. You, you could probably say that uh, you have to build a relationship and you mm -hmm. can't build a relationship with one single message. It takes a little bit of time and effort and... Mm giving before you start taking before a relationship is at the level where you can actually receive something. And um, mm -hmm. what, what you said, yeah, uh, this is something that I see on a daily basis, how people just want to really, really fast forward the relationship build um, mm -hmm. like one message and then bam, next message is already by my ship. Um, exactly. Yeah, so a, a very important thing here for our audience, for our listeners, is building a relationship does take some time. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I, I think we want too much, too fast, and it doesn't work that way. So, so that's, mm -hmm. I, I think, something that's worth noting here, um, that you have to give it some time especially mm -hmm. if you're not master in human psychology and the best communicator in the world, um, mm. who can probably speed up that process. But if you are uh, just a regular person who finds it maybe even a little bit awkward to communicate with people online, you have mm. to give it a bit of time. You just have to. Yeah. Like, even with anything like it, basically marketing yourself or marketing your course, it's pretty much the same thing that happens in real life. Like even a lot of marketers are, or successful marketers out there are actually comparing it to dating as well, or like trying to meet a girl. Right. So you don't just go to someone and propose to marry them at the front. Of course, they're going to get scared of you. They're going to think you're crazy. Nobody does that. So when you're trying to court a girl, like you try to give, uh, bring them out on dates a few times, um, 
before you get to the stage or you, you get to know each other for quite some time, or it's going to take some years before you actually like propose, get, get engaged and get married. It's the same concept with marketing. Like you just don't go up front and try to sell something. You have to like sort of, um, 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 build a relationship first. Yeah. Yeah, Go exactly. on a few dates. Yes, take your take your uh, target audience in a few dates first. Like give them something that they'd like, you know, before you start selling something to them. So um, that's why a lot of people think that they can take a shortcut as well with launching a course. Like mm, you can just launch it in one month. Like sure, you can build and create everything in just a month. But, but the entire process of like actually selling to them and marketing to them takes time. That's why for me, like the initial stages during the course construction um, is, isn't just you like building in order for you to actually create the building blocks of your course is you still have to build that relationship with your target audience. Um, and, and that takes time, like four, six weeks. And actually the longer, the better, just because it can already like, the longer you build that relationship, the more that they would trust you. But the um, common time frame is like around four to six weeks of you trying to give content to people, sharing content with them, giving value, interacting with them, um, collaborating with other people. That's a uh, part of the game when you, you start constructing your course. So once you already have that, that's the only time you move to the next stage, which is your uh, funnel framework. And this is also the part that a lot of um, people um, make a mistake with because we know how a funnel works, right? You, there's a free offer up front. And then after the free offer, they, there's um, another offer, which is a tripwire, like a low-end product or a low-end course, let's say, um, before um, being offered into to a bigger program. So usually when people create the course, they start to build from the free offer. So the problem that happens then now is they're, they're confused whether like, am I giving too little or am I giving too much away? So that's what happens when you try to build your free offer first. Um, the right way to do it when you're already constructing your, let's say from, from the phase of course construction, you already have like a, a foundation of the course content that you're going to have. And um, yeah, you're not supposed to, by the way, you're not supposed to like finish all the course content at one time. Um, it's just like as long as you have the general foundation or um, outline of your course, then you can move to your funnel framework. And instead of starting with your free offer, what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to reverse engineer your funnel. So from your core offer that you have prepared from the course, uh, from when you were doing the course construction, after you have your core offer, then that's when you can break it down to your, um, let's say your tripwire, right? So from the core offer, you can create your tripwire, which is like probably a mini course or a master class. So after the tripwire, then that's when you can start also offering, um, let's say something for free to your audience, perhaps a free, um, free five day or seven day challenge or a free um, training or whatever. And then from that, you can also have your like um, mini free offer, which is your free book or whatever you want to have upfront just so you can collect their emails. But um, it's important that you, that you have your core offer, like um, you build your entire funnel framework from your core offer instead of the other way around, instead of starting from the freebie. That way, you know that you're not giving away too much and also you're not giving too little to your audience that they won't even ascend or go up into your, um, into your funnel, right? So yeah, have your core offer first. And then after the core offer, um, the things that you teach from your free stuff is usually often the, what we call um, the what, you're teaching them what they should be doing. And then on their core offers, that's the only time that you teach them the how. So that's how you're supposed to uh, reverse engineer your funnel. Okay. 
So that was step two. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. That's step two. So step so, one, build an audience. Step mm -hmm. two is create the funnel, but do mm -hmm. it backwards, not from free to paid, but from paid to free so that each mm -hmm. step makes sense um, in how you upgrade that value ladder that they are getting with each step. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then mm -hmm, the final, the final step, or actually all of these things aren't necessarily like um, step one, step two, step three. It, these things go on together at the same time. That's why it's more of like, a, 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 um, let's say it, have you seen the Ikagai um, like graph? Like there's, there are three circles, but they're interconnected with each other because um, all of this work at the same time. So um, the third part of this, of the CFM model is your marketing method, which is when you're marketing, a lot of people are thinking again, um, the myth is that you start marketing once you have your funnels and your emails prepared, which is absolutely wrong. Your marketing actually begins as soon as you're building or constructing your course, which is the first part of which you're doing um, in step, let's, let's just say step one in course construction, right? So you are, you're already starting to um, market yourself, which is um, there are three uh, uh, things that you need to do when you're marketing yourself. The, the first one is your pre-framing or pre-launch promotions. And these are the um, tips and strategies that you're um, sharing with your audiences or which are sort of in a way warming them up to lead them to, to your actual course launch. So the, after you do your pre-launch promotions or your pre-framing um, marketing promotions to your audience, then that's when you move to the second phase, which is your, um, let's say, D-Day launch, right? So um, before you actually launch your course, you're going to invite them to, let's say, a free uh, masterclass or a free seven-day challenge where they would actually get a taste of the results of what they can get from your actual, um, what they can get from your actual uh, program. So let's say, for me on the um, on my um, launch your first course program, which I'll be launching soon, by the way. Um, one of the things that I can let's say, just for the sake of this uh, uh, of this. Uh, conversation. One of the things that I can share for free is how you can make um, build a profitable online course topic in just um, seven days. Let's say actually you can even do that in a day. Um, so I can turn that into a one day masterclass and teach you how you can turn your course into an, an actual profitable online course. So once we have that. Um, I'm able to teach that to people and actually um, share that to them. And they realize like, hey, um, this topic of mine where I tell them um, build or design a beautiful social media pages can actually be turned into a profitable course, which is build your brand using, uh, uh, build your business using visual branding or something like that. Um, once they get a taste of what, of the possibilities of what they can do with you, then that's the time that you start promoting your um, actual online course, your core offer. So on your D-Day launch, there are a couple of things that you're going to share with them as well when you're, when you're in the process of launching. So inside your Facebook group, when you do your launch, um, of course you, let's say you did your masterclass and then you promoted your core offer, right? Um, there's a pre-enrollment period, period, which would be like about two to three weeks. Two weeks would be fine already because that can be, that two week period is also a time for you to actually um, still keep on marketing and inviting them to join your um, online course. So um, what are the things that you can do within that two week period on, on on when you're actually marketing your program already. So one of the things that you can do is let's say someone reaches out to you and says, says um, hey, Samantha, I'm still on the fence of, launching, uh, of joining your program um, because um, 
I'm still, I don't think I'm an expert yet. So is this something that is uh, going to work for me even if I'm not an expert? Then I can answer their objections and use that as a way um, to also reach out to my Facebook group and then tell them like, um, use that as a marketing material to promote the online course. So I can tell them that um, a lot of people that are being held back from actually launching their course is because they think they're not experts, which is absolutely for false because there's probably something out there that you know that you're good at and then you can turn that into an actual uh, program or a course as well. So, um, you, um, of course, not a lot of people is going to come to you and ask these questions, but they probably have these questions in their head, right? So in order for you to, to try to answer these objections in their head, you can use those materials or the people that come to you and have these questions and let's say um, um, things that are holding them back. And you can use those as marketing materials to keep on promoting your program within that two-week um, pre-enrollment uh, phase. And then the final part of that in your marketing method is your post-marketing, uh, post-launch marketing. Because, um, of course, not everyone is still going to, not 100% of people in your Facebook group or the community that you have built is going to uh, buy your program, right? So after you have done your um, launch and you're already starting your, your program with your students, um, you're going to be getting results from them. You're going get, to be getting feedback from them. And you can use that as marketing material, again, to the people who haven't joined your program um, and get them excited for the next batch. So it, it, this can be like a reoccurring thing for you to earn from as well. So those are... Samantha? Like, yeah. One question. Um, sure. Is there a rule... Or like, what would you suggest? Is there a right or wrong answer? Or is this um, specific to um, every course? Um, is it better to do launches? Um, mm -hmm. Maybe, you know, a few times a year or every month or every six months or however? Or is, is it better to have like a um, forever green? You can all, mm -hmm. people can join uh, whenever they want um, is there a right or wrong answer here or it's really specific to what you want to achieve? This is actually a great question. Um, so it also actually depends on what you're looking for. And if it also depends whether this is your first time launching a course or not. So if this is your first time, then of course you can't go evergreen because, um, there are two phases to launching a course. Okay. So the first phase is when you're still like trying to make sure that you have a viable course um, or what we call an MVP, a minimum viable product. So you're, when you're launching your course for the first time, you have to still test out if this is actually what the market wants and if this is um, actually something that's going to make you money long term. So when, if this is your first time launching a course, you cannot turn it evergreen. That's why I suggest don't forget the complex funnels, the emails and all that stuff, because that's not the goal when you're launching your first course. The goal is to make sure that you have a pro solid program that you're going to bring out that's also going to give your students results. Once you have that validated and you see that the results is already there, you're able to get results for your students then that's the only time that you can consider uh, creating your course and turning it evergreen. So that way you don't have to keep on remarketing and reaching out to your audience all the time. Um, it can, um, that's the only time that you start building systems for the course that you have. And I know a lot of gurus out there are going to say like, no, 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 you can just do that right up front. But I see so many people waste their money and stop actually launching their course because they already built the funnel. They already built everything else they spent on Facebook ads and whatever. Um, and all and paid for all these different platforms only for their course to flop because they haven't 
uh, focus on the important part of launching the course, their first course, which is actually building the relationship with their target audience. So again, if this is your first time, um, it's better to do it as an open, closed launch. And then after then, that's when you can consider um, turning it evergreen. Um, there also, let's say that, um, that your course is already validated, right? So you can turn it evergreen or um, there's really no um, right or wrong here. It just really depends on what you're looking for because there are also people out there, let's say Marie, uh, Marie Forleo, um, she also does an open closed launch for her flagship program, B-School, I think once or twice a year. She, that's what she does. It's just an open closed launch. So of course, when you do, when you also do, um, there are pros and cons to both, of course. So when you're doing an open closed launch, you're also doing the same framework that we did here in the CFM model. You're also going to pre-frame your audience again, share tips and strategies, um, re um, reverse engineer that funnel and then um, guide them into, a, into that launch, uh, launch date and then have them enroll during that period. Of course, you're going to have an influx of students who's going to want to, to enroll because you pre-framed uh, pre them from the time period on the time that you wanted to create the launch, right? Um, the the advantage of that you're going to have an influx of students and then after that there would be a period where it also dies down and you don't have any enrollees at all with evergreen you don't necessarily have to pre-frame your audience anymore but that doesn't mean that you're not creating content to your for your target audience you're still going to be creating content for them that they can use that would be helpful for them um, throughout the, let's say, throughout the entire year, um, you're still sharing tips, you're still sharing strategies, and then you're all leading, you're leading them to your free masterclass or whatever that will get them into, into that evergreen uh, funnel that you have. So there's really no right or wrong whether you should do an open, close launch or an evergreen launch. You can do both, but only if you've already validated the program that you have created. So um, if, if you're, this is the first time that you're launching, you can't do evergreen, but if you have already validated your program, then that's when you do evergreen or still do the open close launch. Okay. Um, what about, you know, like <clears throat> what you were explaining is more like a hard launch. You know, so you set a date, mm -hmm. the cart opens and it closes at a certain time. What about a more softer launch? Um, mm -hmm. Have you came across any soft launches where you still have like a, a launch, but it, it, it's like it takes a little bit longer and it's a bit more softer. It's not like just, oh, the cart is open from tomorrow mm -hmm. to uh, the day after tomorrow. So 24 hours. But it's more like a, I don't know, let's say a two-week, three-week uh, onboarding process. Um, when you say two-week um, onboarding process, it's like that's a two-week like enrolling pro. Um, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So actually, yeah, that's how open close launch happens. It's like a two-week time frame for them to um, enroll into your program. So it's two to three weeks. But so far what I've seen is like around two weeks enrollment. It's, it's still not, I wouldn't necessarily still consider it as a soft launch because technically it's still, um, it still follows the same process of you doing the pre-framing. And then after the pre-framing, you uh, um, lead them to your, you lead them into your free masterclass or whatever you're offering. And then, um, after that, you're opening the cart for the two-week period enrollment, um, two-week period enrollment, and still like marketing every single day during that that D-day marketing method. Remember from um, from yes. the third part. So you're still marketing during that period in that two-week period. Um, you that's usually how um, open close launches work. 
especially for flagship programs for big programs um like one day launches like you open the cart in just one day and then close it on the same day that works for evergreen so like um it's not it doesn't necessarily like say um it opens today and then closes uh within this time period um you do that on evergreen to create scarcity so telling them that if you enroll now within this 24-hour period, then you're going to get this program at a discounted price. If you don't enroll within the 24-hour period, then um, the next time that you get this program is going to be at a higher price. It's still creating that scarcity. So usually like the 24-hour, let's say sometimes even if it's, if it's done in a webinar, actually, the, the, the time frame for them to actually join and buy into the program or invest into the program is about um, just an hour or half an hour if it's from a webinar. Um, if it's from like a, um, a funnel launch where they say, um, um, let's say they go through a sales page, of course it's gonna be like longer than that, maybe perhaps like uh, seven days or whatever. But um, from what you're saying with the two week period, that's usually how open close launches are designed. It's usually around um, two weeks, a two weeks time period. Okay. Um, so from what you've told us so far, I would okay. say that you probably prefer um, that your ecosystem is a Facebook group. Now, mm -hmm. yes. um, what's your opinion? on other ways, like for example, webinars and master classes and, and uh, so on. Mm -hmm. So I don't really see anything wrong with webinars. I actually, um, I find it funny when a lot of um, people are saying that webinars are dead, they don't work anymore. Like people are still doing them up to this day because it works. And I have nothing against webinars. Um, the reason that I do prefer Facebook groups is one, um, it minimizes your cost as well because you don't have to spend so much on ads advertising like, hey, uh, watch this free webinar and then get into the funnel, right? So um, I, I have nothing against webinars. Actually, that's, that's how um, the CFM model is designed. So, um, of course, my, my preferred platform in building the community first is because I want to be community centric is to make sure that um, we have it set it up like you, when you're building again this is for first time course launchers um, you need to build the community first and you build your course program from that group and you create your community and followers and then once you have already set that up then that's when you can turn it evergreen like like from from the phase of funnel framework remember we have our core offer our tripwire and our freebie right so um to get them into the core offer when you're trying to uh to sell your core offer and online course to them you're going to give them like a seven day let's say um a seven day free challenge or um a free master class so these are the things that you can, that free masterclass that you just shared with your Facebook group is what you can repurpose and actually turn into a webinar um, when you're turning your course evergreen already, when you're automating all the moving parts. So um, the, the, the things that you're offering up for free, um, you're gonna now, when you're already in the second phase of your launch, then that's when you can turn it into a, like a free book into your funnel and create an email list. Um, okay. The masterclass that you have, you can train that in, turn that into and repurpose that into your uh, webinar, which will be part of your funnel as well. So okay. everything that you do is still tied in together. Okay. <clears throat> what are some good examples that you've seen uh, with yourself, with your clients, mm -hmm. and also with other people out there, uh, good examples of, tripwire offer. Mm -hmm. So the tripwire offer, of course, only happens again. This only happens when you have already pre-framed pre and warmed up your audience. And the best ones out there are one, 
is the challenges. Challenges are the best because it can give them a taste of results of what um, your, your audience are looking for. So challenges is one of the best things that you can give to but them. Cha cha challenge is the free challenge. I mean, what are yes. some of examples of the Tripwire offers? So the ones that are um, cheap, but something that they have to purchase, the upsell to the, to the free thing. Mm, okay, okay, great question. So the tripwire that you can offer to them is also part from what they can get on the core offer. Because some people think they, they, they tend to overthink what they can offer as a tripwire, right? Like, because they think it still needs to be different from what they're offering. But from the best example that I can think of right now is Dan Henry. Um, he has his um, sold out courses program as well, but he focuses more on the automation part of, of the course. So what he is offering as a tripwire, as, um, as something that they can pay for a minimal amount is actually um, one part or one module of his main core offering. So let's say, um, what was that? Actually, there was another thing that he sold as a tripwire, which is like um, the slides that you can use for when you're creating your course. Because there's, all, there's also a certain sequence that you need to do when you're creating slides for your online course. And he sold that as a tripwire for $7. So um, again, when you're creating tripwires, it should be still something that you know your audience are, are looking for. So when you're building your course, you have to like create an outline of the or a list of things that you know your audience are looking for. For example, um, when creating online courses, like people are looking for what equipments can they use? Um, what are the slides that um, what are the slides that they can use for their funnel? Um, what else? Do they have like a checklist that they can use for creating a course or um, do you share like the framework, for example, actually this framework, I mean, this framework that I'm sharing right now is, um, I was still on the fence whether I should offer this for free or offer it as a tripwire, but now I'm sharing it for free. So this, like anything that your audience can use as a guideline, um, that will also make them, oh, hey, if this is already helping me right now, then perhaps what's inside the main program is also going to help me out. So um, yeah, just list out the different things that you know that your audience is looking for in, in an online course um, or in, your, um, in whatever you're offering and then offer that as well as a tripwire. Like everything still should be connected together or to make it simpler instead of uh, having to think of what to offer as a tripwire offer part of a lesson from your core offer and use that as a tripwire um, so that they would know like, oh, if this is part of what I can get from that program, then maybe there's something more inside that that I can get. Okay, okay, sounds, sounds good. Um, and, and I have just one more question. Um, sure. Because we are already um, uh, close to an hour, so. Uh, it's slowly time to wrap up, but I would love for you to share this. Uh, so part of the funnel is having a Facebook community. Now, mm -hmm. being in somebody's Facebook com community is one thing, but maintaining, managing, administrating your own mm -hmm. is probably not an easy task. Do you mm -hmm. have like, you know, some simple examples or some simple tips how I can have a Facebook community, but mm -hmm. without me spending hours every single day just mm -hmm. on the community and not being able to do much of anything else. Mm -hmm. That's great, actually, uh, for you saying that. So for me, um, when I created my Facebook group and I was able to grow my Facebook group from zero to 7,500 in, in less than a year, and I didn't actually spend a lot of time um, managing my Facebook uh, group for a couple of reasons. Because one, I already also had um, a framework that I'm following um, to make sure that, that um, I'm managing my Facebook community and I still have, I still am engaged with them. So 
I one is you already have a planned content upfront for like a month in advance. Um, create a schedule also of like your Facebook lives or uh, uh, like you already um, have a scheduled plan of the type of content that you're going to to share into your Facebook group. And another thing that absolutely was helpful for me is having moderators inside my Facebook group. Um, I have virtual assistants who help me manage my Facebook group as well. So in, in terms of approving members or if there were questions or if there were anything that my um, members were trying to ask, um, my moderators were always there to help. So instead of just um, you doing everything, um, you can have someone else help you with, with your Facebook group as well in managing your Facebook group. But you have to remember, again, um, the people join your Facebook group because of you. So you should still be the face inside your Facebook group. Um, that's why um, you don't necessarily have to be there 24-7 all the time and like interacting with everyone. But if you have a scheduled... Um, uh, a schedule of your content that you're sharing to them. And if you plan your content on what you're going to, to share with them um, ahead, then you won't have to necessarily um, be engaged inside the group like 24 seven, because you already have it prepared um, upfront. Okay. Um, any idea if so, let's say um, if I want to have a community manager help in my community. Mm -hmm. Do you have any idea uh, how much can that cost on a monthly basis for a good community manager? That's great, actually. Um, <laughs> thanks for mentioning that because um, I do have um, my own um, game matchmaking as well. Um, usually for when we match our clients with a virtual assistant, um, and let's say for your case, um, you're looking for a community manager. If they're a, if they're going to work full time and manage the group, let's say, not necessarily 24/7, but let's say full time, like eight hours a day, um, then you'd be paying them per month around 300, 400 dollars per month. So they not only be um, they're making sure that your group is receiving the scheduled content that you have. So would there be, they'll be helping you with the posting of the content, approving members and like collecting the email addresses from, from the leads that you have once they start. Remember when they join your Facebook group, they share their email addresses as well. So you can have your virtual assistant collect their emails. Um, your virtual assistant can make sure that there are no spammy messages or there's no one trying to, um, to hijack your group. So they're going to make sure they maintain the integrity of your Facebook group. And at the same time, um, they can um, be able to, to also engage with your, with your um, group as well. And if they have questions, then you can have someone like, hey, that's a great question. Um, I'll def, um, I'll reach out to Miha and let them know what uh, let them know how you can answer that uh, how he can answer that um, specific problem or challenge that you're facing. So yes, having a community manager helps a lot, and usually 300 to 400 per month if they're working full time is fine. If they're just um, again, this is you outsourcing to other countries like the Philippines. Um, if they're working part-time, then you can pay about 250, something like that, 250 per month. Okay. Okay. Cool. Well, Samantha, uh, one thing that I always like to ask my guests is after they drop a lot of value from the business perspective is to share with the audience a little bit about themselves, whatever you feel, you know, you want to share with the audience. Oh, okay. So do you want me to share about my... Um, whatever you want. Some people talk about their families. Some people mm -hmm. talk about hobbies. Um, like just whatever you feel um, is something that we should know about Samantha, the person. Okay. Well, okay. That's interesting. So a little about me. Um, 
Well, for me, I mean, I've always been, I guess, um, people would be surprised. Well, probably not, not anymore. <laughs> because um, there are a lot of entrepreneurs right now out there who have always, who went out to pursue their careers or their dreams and and have been successful with what they're doing. And it's it's the same for me. I wouldn't say that I'm, um, in some ways I am successful, but I'm still like trying to gun for a different level of success right now. But I'm actually pretty proud that even if a college dropout, me, I, I, I didn't finish my degree because I went straight to, to um, I saw this opportunity of like, oh, wow, working online is really changing the world right now. So I, um, I immediately dropped out of college and started working online. I still didn't know what, what working online had for me at the time. I just knew that this was something that's going to, to change um, the working industry. And it has. And, and ever since I've, I've, um, I've, of course, it hasn't been an easy road, especially, um, um, I, I, because before I really didn't know what direction I was taking. Um, I was taking up market, uh, marketing and management on, in college, but even then it was because, um, my teachers were telling me like, Hey, your parents are in the marketing industry why don't you do the same? So I did the same. But um, like a year before graduating, I realized that um, what am I going to do? Like I was already like worried and thinking about what I'm going to be doing moving forward. I really didn't have any direction until I found out um, what I wanted to do online. So um, yes, I've, I, I started working online um, writing articles as an article writer, online chat support. Like I did every every little job out there um, before I actually found my calling with, with um, online courses, uh, funnel strategy, marketing strategy, and copywriting, which obviously copywriting is still part of me <laughs> because um, um, I've started out working in this industry as a writer. And, and and I find that the art of, of um, combining um, psychology, the psychology of human behavior into your writing, and there's like a science and art to copywriting. And I love that. That's why I still, I still do that up to this day. And um, yeah, like for, if there's anything I want to share to other people out there about me is that or and, and they can use as a learning um, experience as well is that um, you don't necessarily need to figure out immediately what you need to do right up front um, because most people they don't really also know what they're doing um, or what their calling is and, um, until um, it already the, the opportunity is presented to you. So make sure that when you're given an opportunity, like just keep an open-minded, uh, be receptive to learning um, along the way and eventually you'll find out what, what your calling is. And yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, Samantha, um, thank you for being my guest. Um, thank you too. Thank you for sharing uh, this knowledge. Now, um, I will make sure that if somebody, if people want to reach out to you, that they can find um, all the links in the show mm -hmm. notes. So listeners, if you want to reach out to Samantha, if you want her to help you with your next launch or with your first launch, um, just click it, click to the show notes and uh, click on those links and you can get in touch with her. Um, Samantha. Before mm -hmm. we say goodbye, is there anything else, maybe a last, the last golden nugget of wisdom or something that you would like to share with the audience before we say goodbye or? Well, okay. Always keep learning. Just always keep learning and like um, always be open to improving and growing yourself. Because the moment that you stop learning and the moment you stop trying to improve and trying to be better, um, 
it, that's when everything ends. <laughs> like, uh, uh, um, yeah. <laughs> very, very good. Very good. Um, something I also very strongly believe in. So that, that's a good closing. Um, uh, Samantha, again, thank you for being my guest. And thank you too. Um, all the best on your journey. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for having me in your podcast. So um, I really appreciate the time that you've had here uh, and bringing me here. So I wish everyone the best of luck. I am. I hope that the tips that I have shared will help you launch your first course. Um, if um, you have any other questions, um, like Mia said, you can find the links, my links um, provided on the show notes, and I'd be happy to um to to entertain any questions perfect 